you've had this cold that's going around. Some of you already this morning, I know, it's been going around, so Cassie gave it to Stacy, who then gave it to me, which now Caitlin is home this morning because now she has it, so Kelsey's a holdout. We'll get her probably in the next couple days. I was going to have Kyle fill in for me this morning because he's got his tie on. He had a jacket on earlier and and have him step in since my head's all like boom, boom, boom. <sighs> okay, well with that, we're going to go on this morning. We have been in this series for several weeks now about breaking the chains of addiction. We've talked about just stopping it. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I will give you a little bit of background. When we started this, we talked about just stopping whatever the addiction is in our life. But it's not so easy just to say stop it and just quit doing it. We most of the time have to go through some steps. We have to go through a journey of quitting whatever we're addicted to. And I've said this over and over many times and I want to review once again. Addiction can come in many different forms. Addictions can fall into many different categories and there are both conscious and unconscious obsessions that we have in our life. As I've said over and over again, they're not always the, just the bad things of the world because we can look at those people with you know, an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction and we can say, you know, that's destroying their life. There's consequences. They need to stop that. But when it comes to our own life, we might have addictions that are the pretty addictions of the world as with, you know, over-exercising. We are addicted to that. It's controlling our life. But it's a good thing to exercise. It's a good thing to exercise but within limitations, boundaries. And these things that we grab on to in our lives, we hold on to them because there's some problems on the inside. And that's what we've been talking about, the heart problem. And what might be an addiction in my life, uh, and it's something that I struggle with, may not be in your life. Like as I've said before, you can't make me gamble. Just not going to do it. It's not something I've struggled with. But there are people who struggle with the addiction of gambling. We've talked about defining addiction. And addiction is defined as being unable to stop. Even when you want to stop, even when you realize that it's destroying your life, you believe in your mind you are unable to stop. An addiction is any pattern of behavior that you have developed to deal with your hurts in an unhealthy way. We've talked about that. But the bottom line is, it's a choice that leads to a behavior that's in excess that leads to bondage. We've chosen to go down this path in our life, and we're going to talk about the path today. And now we are in bondage to whatever this is in our life. And as I've mentioned before, the addiction is not the root of the problem. That is the fruit of the problem. The root of the problem is something much more, and hopefully that's what we're doing as we're going through the series, is getting at the root of the problem. Now, I will say for those who are visiting today, we are going through the 12 steps of the AA program. And I have been taking the 12 steps and putting more of a biblical slant on them as we've been going through them. And you would say, well, why the 12 steps of AA? Well, this is a reason, a few different reasons, actually, but one of the main ones is because I was asked by two different groups to put together a biblical program for the 12th step. Why? Because 
at their church, they would like to start to have a 12-step program. Now, most courts require you to go through a 12-step program of some sort. Now, uh, Celebrate Recovery, good Christian, you know, addiction program, but it isn't classified as a 12-step program, so they won't honor it most of the time. Now, there are some exceptions, of course. But this group that asked me to do this, they said, would you put together a 12-step program that we could take people through who are believers and non-believers? So as we go through this, it isn't really heavy in Bible teaching. And actually, this week, I'm going I'm to take some of this out as I actually pass it on to this group that's going to use it because it's, it's heavy. It's got some Greek words in there. And that's really not what somebody's needing who's sitting there who is not a believer. So we've been going through this with that idea, but hopefully it's giving us some tools so if we're struggling in our own life with addiction, we can deal with it. Because as I've said before, I like the 12-step program. I like them because there are some biblical um, principles because we talked about how they have foundation in Christianity. And I like how that they set them up. Now, today I'm going to take their point and I'm going to completely do something else because I don't like their point today. So I say that, but now I'm going to change it today. But there are some good biblical principles with it. So as we have every week, we have done some review. And I need you guys to help me on doing more review today. Of course, we've got our things up here. We've got the chair. And then in here, I've got some different things. I've got the clipboard. I have the rope. I have the mirror. And then I have a smiley mask. So help me out here this morning. Somebody tell me the first step. Yell it out. What is the first step? What, which one of these items connects on with the first step? The mirror. And that has one word with it, which is what? Admit. That is the first step. We are to admit first step is to admit that we are powerless over our problem and our lives have become unmanageable. The first thing is you need to look in the mirror and say, I've got some issues in my life. Now, you might be sitting here this morning, as I've mentioned this before, and say, well, I don't have any issues in my life. Like addictions, you need to look in the mirror. Scripture says if we say that we were without sin, then we are lying to ourselves. And that's what the mirror is there for. We recognize that there are some issues in our life that we have to deal with. And this can apply to all areas because it may not be addictions as far as alcohol or drugs or over-exercising, overeating, whatever it is, but it might be in our marriage relationship. It might be our relationship with our kids. So this can apply in a lot of different ways. Mirror is the first one. What's the second one? The chair. The chair is the second one, and the word is what? Believe is the second one. Came to believe that there is a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. We have to believe that God has the means and the desire to help us. First of all, we have to look in the mirror and say, there are some things in my life that need to change. But second of all, we have to believe that there is a power greater than ourselves that will help us. Restore us to sanity. And what is the definition of insanity? Okay, you got it. My ears a little plugged up, but I got that. We keep doing these same things in our life over and over again. 
and we expect different results. And maybe with the things we've been struggling with for the last 10, 15, 20, 50 years, we keep thinking, it's going to change, it's going to change. We keep doing it over and over again. Never changes. So we've got those two. We've got the mirror, we've got the chair. What's the next one? The rope, and the rope is what? What's the word with it? Release. Now we've made it into this third step, which is to release. And the third step is made a decision to turn over our will and our lives over to the care of God, as we understood him, is how they put it in there. But hopefully we understand that he is Jehovah God, one and only God. And we're saying, God, I've looked in this mirror. I see I have these problems in my life. I'm willing to sit down in the chair to trust, to believe in you. And these things I've been holding on to in my life, this power that I'm trying to hold on to, I'm going to release to you. I'm going to let go. So what's the next one then? A clipboard. And the word is inventory. Now at this point, step number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Now we've looked in the mirror. We realize that there are some problems. We believe that God is real. We believe that he has the means and desire to help me. And now I'm going to release that. I'm going to release it to him. And now the inventory is I pick up the clipboard in my life and I start to go through it. And I had the inventory in the back. If some of you still want the inventory, it's still available. Just helps us work through these things in our life. And we say, you know what? I'm cleaning out the closet in my life. And this is a good pile here. And this is junk here. This is stuff I need to get rid of. I need to be honest with myself. Now, there's a lot of good stuff here if I clean out my closet, but this stuff has to go. I've got to start to deal with it at some point. Which leaves us with, with the last one, and that is the masks. And what is the word for the mask? Confess. Confess is the one we talked about last week, and that is step number five. We admit to God, to ourselves and other human beings, the exact wrong of our nature. Now we take our inventory, now we take our pile of junk here, and we need to tell the Lord about it. First of all, we need to be honest with ourselves, but we need to tell the Lord about it and say, this is my pile of junk, and we need to tell another human being. As far as accountability, we need to say it out loud. We need to be confessing it to the Lord, and we need to be confessing it to another human being, saying, this is my junk here. Look at it. Because as I said last week, if we don't call it junk, what it is, we'll put it back in the closet. Because we'll start to tell ourselves, that's not junk, those are treasures. I can't get rid of that stuff I might need again. And so we start to shove it back in the closet. You hoarders. We will hold on to it, but if we tell somebody it's junk, then they're going to say to us, hey, did you ever get rid of that junk? Uh, no, I put it back in the closet. Didn't, I thought you told me it was junk. Yeah, and why are you putting it back in your closet? And it keeps us accountable. So this week is step number six, and that is turn. Turn the opposite direction and agree with God. This week we're going to touch on Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So this week is the sign, turn. 
it's a U sign. Now, I wanted to get a real sign, but you know me, if I was taking this off of some pole someplace, I would get caught. Probably by the two guys in law enforcement in our church, and then they would be asking me, what am I doing? I'm taking it for a sermon. You'd have to make bail, you know, it wouldn't be good. No kidding, I had a teenager at the other church that we were at, and I was talking about I needed a yield sign. You know what he did? Came up with a yield sign for me. I said, Court, you're going to have to put that back. Stealing a yield sign for the pastor for his illustrations. I'm corrupting the youth. So it's kind of a sad little pathetic sign, but hey, let's work with it, okay? This is today's word, and that is turn. Turn. And as I mentioned before, this is going to be completely different than how AA teaches this. I'm taking their step and just going, whoo, with it. Because in the sixth step, it is this. We are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects from our character. Okay, at this point, they're telling you in AA that you just need to sit back and you need to get ready for God to do the next step, which is step seven, and he's going to remove this stuff. So they would say this is kind of the relaxed step here, that you've went through this stuff and this has been difficult enough. Now at this step, we're going to kind of sit back and, and wait. I'm not going to teach it this way. I'm going to teach it that we need to be doing something in this step. Because this is part of my problem with the 12 steps of AA is this step right here. Because there needs to be a turnaround. There needs to be a time when you start to turn from whatever this is in your life. And it's making a U-turn. Of course, we understand the U-turn in driving means to perform a 180-degree turn. You are going this way, and then you turn, and you go back the opposite direction. I about put 360 in there. That would be going completely around and going back where you started. That's more like what some of us do. I turned around, and I went around, and now I'm back, and what the, I don't, lost. We're turning from this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning on this because I've talked about repentance so much, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's turning around, and it's really the U-turn, okay? It's you making the turn, you, you turning. And now at AA, they would say that at this point, we're just waiting, and we're going to let God do something in the next step. I understand their thinking behind that. But we need to be actively involved in this. And this is a point where we start to turn. And this is a change that begins on the inside. And that's one word, as I mentioned, it's repent. The word repent. We are now going to change on the inside. We've went through these steps. First of all, we've realized that there are some things that we need to address in our life. We're going to trust in God. We're going to start to release this stuff. We're going to go through it in our lives. We're going to be honest with other people about it. But now we need to turn from it. We need to make this decision in our life. And it's a change that happens from the inside out. Very familiar verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says, don't be, you know, forced into this mold from the outside. He says, you need to change yourself. And you need to change your belief, what's inside of you. 
Because if you remember several weeks back before we actually got into the 12 steps of the cycle what we talked about, it's wrong thinking most of the time. Now I'm not trying to make this new age stuff that we're trying to change our mind and if we just believe in our mind it's going to happen. But understand, if we have wrong thinking in our lives, it's going to lead to a pattern. If we believe through this wrong thinking that has now infiltrated our heart, that you know, if I'm eating food, that's going to make me happy, it's going to deal with my pain, then we have wrong thinking. And it's going to lead to this behavior problem. Instead of dealing with the root of the problem. And so this is the word repent. In the Greek here, it means reversal, turning away from one object to another. A thousand times in Scripture, in the 66 books of the Bible, a thousand times it's used in some form or another, in the Hebrew and in the Greek. You think if it's in there a thousand times, God's saying, wake up, I want you to know this word. He says it over and over again. He says, I want you to turn. The vines, which is a Greek dictionary, defines as this. A change of mind involves both a turning from sin and a turning to God. And this is this sixth step. We are at the point where we say, I need to turn from whatever this is. This pile of junk here, I've called it what it is. I've told you what it is. I've told the Lord. Now I need to turn from it. I need to turn and go the opposite way. So this is the work of step six. Turn the opposite direction and agree with God. Turn the opposite direction. Now that's why I don't need to talk about a lot because it's very simple in the concept. Not so easy to carry out in our lives. But it's simply that we just, we've got to turn from it. Something that we realize is damaging to us. It's hurting us. I've used the illustration before. That's why a Bible teacher did, you know, explained it to me, that if you were to put your hand on a hot stove, burn your hand, you'd look at that and go, ah! And then you would turn and hopefully not do that again. Realizing when you saw a hot stove, you would think, I'm not going to put my hand on there. Because the last time I did that, I got burnt. Now, maybe you've had some kids that aren't really so sharp and they've had to learn over and over the hard way. Don't do that. But you know what? We say that of kids that, you know, sometimes they have to learn the hard way, like sticking things in the light socket and, you, you know, you're handing them a penny so they, they learn the hard way. I'm encouraging them. Hopefully they're going to learn from it. They don't. But if we were honest as adults, we were the same way. We keep going back to this stuff, getting burnt, and instead of turning and going the opposite way, we just go back and do it again, even though there's consequences. So repentance involves a U-turn. And repentance is not just one single act, but it's a lifestyle choice. It's something that happens once, and I'll explain this more in a second, but then it takes a lifetime to carry it out. I like the picture I found here. It's just amazing some of the pictures I come up with because they, they fit into what I'm trying to say. It's a turtle. I don't know why that there was a turtle in this picture, but I'm going to use it because it's a slow turn sometimes. It doesn't just happen on a dime. It's a slow, gradual turn, unfortunately, most of the time, especially if we've been in this 10, 20, 30 years in our lives. 
It's a lifestyle choice. And it's not only a change of behavior, but as I said before, it's a change of how you think. You're making a U-turn in your thinking. You're coming to this, whatever it is, and you're saying, this is damaging. This is wrong. This has me in bondage. I understand that in my mind, and I'm turning from it. And it's coming into agreement with God. And if you want to, and I've said this before, if you want to see a change in your life, you have to start to change your belief first. You've got to start changing what you believe. And that doesn't mean that, you, that you're going to just change your belief and say, okay, so I'm, I realize this is wrong. What does Oprah have to say about this? Because she knows everything. Oprah! Dr. Phil, they said I need to do this. You're changing your mind and you're agreeing, not with Oprah, not with Dr. Phil, not with even me. You're agreeing with what is biblically true. What God has said. That is what you're filling your mind with. Because if you're agreeing that this is wrong and I need to change whatever it is, then there's going to be a vacuum there. And it's going to be filled with something. It needs to be filled with biblical truth. So when I'm struggling with whatever it is that is the struggle, then I start to deal with that, but I'm going to replace it with something that is real, biblically real. So preparing for step six. When we're preparing for step six, what we're doing is reprogramming. Now, I know that sounds kind of like a scary, cultish word there, reprogramming. What does that mean? That means we're going to have to start to change our mind. If you remember back weeks ago, this summer, when we were going through the Beatitudes, we talked about repenting, and I said, we have to reprogram our minds. I used the illustration, excuse me, <clears throat> I used the illustration of a speedboat that was set on a course of collision with a dock or with the, the shore and a computer was running it and you tried to grab the steering wheel and no matter how strong you were, you tried to turn it, but that steering wheel was going to just keep pointing towards the shore. There was only one option and that was to change the computer that is running this ship. And to do that, you need to reprogram it to change it. And it's the same thing with our lives. We need to reprogram it. We need to start changing our mind. And that starts by realizing our wrong thinking, our beliefs have affected our behavior, which has led us down the wrong path of life, this dead end. So the first point of being reprogrammed is to say, this is destroying myself. This is destroying my relationship with the Lord. This is destroying me physically. This is destroying my family. I realize this path I've been on is destroying everything. It's a dead end. I realize that now. And then the second part of this reprogramming is we mentally and spiritually prepare ourselves for the change that is to come. This is where I agree with the AA steps for step seven. We're preparing ourselves, but we're not just preparing ourselves and we're sitting there twiddling our thumbs. Okay, now I'm going to prepare myself. Okay, just wait. 
we're preparing ourselves by turning from whatever we need to turn from in our life. Understanding that it's damaging us. Understanding that it's a problem. And hopefully we develop a hatred for our habit. Hopefully in our mind we are turning from this. And when we're turning from this, we look at this thing and say, I hate this in my life. I really, really hate it because of what it's done. I mean, hopefully we can look at this and say, boy, because I've admitted this and now I've recognized it, I can understand how it has affected even my kids. The consequences now that they're carrying in their lives. And so I hate it. If you start to actually hate your addiction, you're going to stay away from it. I hate it. But recognizing the need for change and being willing to change are two different matters. Because in the first step, you can realize and look in the mirror and say, hey, there's some things that need to change. I realize that. We can believe that God cares. We can release it to Him. We can even do the inventory in our lives and we can tell somebody else about it. But now is the step where we have to be willing. Willing to let Him change it. Because I'm not saying here that this is the step that we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps here. That it's just about me and my responsibility. This is just where we turn from it, and the seventh step is going to be where we let God start to deal with it in our life. Because between recognizing and being willing to do something about this, fear stands in between these two. We recognize it in our lives. I recognize that there are some things that I need to deal with, but I don't know if I'm willing to really start to deal with it. Because why? Because we talked about two things in our life that affect us. Resentment and fear. We talked about those a couple weeks ago. Resentment and fear keep us from doing these things. And fear applies here because fear is letting go of control. And so if I'm letting go of this thing, then I am no longer in control. And I'm not in control, I believe, of you or whoever, my neighbor, myself, what, uh, the whole world. As I've said before, I hate to burst your bubble, you were never in control anyway. That's why you're at this point. So I'm fearful that I'm not going to be in control, but the other part of that is I'm fearful of being the only one responsible here in this. Because now I have to turn from this, and I've tried so many times, and now it's just up to me to turn from it, you're saying. I've tried that been there. Can't do it. You've been doing it yourself. It's been you doing it. This is a step where we recognize it, we're willing to turn from it, but we're going to do it with the seventh step, which is God's help. So in preparing for this step six, true repentance is when I compare my path, the direction that I'm going in my life, to the path that God has created for me and start to walk in it. I start to choose that path. I realize this is the direction I've been going. It has not been good. I'm going to turn from that and I'm starting to walk in God's path. What He has planned for me, He has set up for me. 
God says, I have a path for you. I have had a path for you before you were ever even formed in your mother's womb. You've deviated from that path because, first of all, you're a sinner. You live in a sin-filled world. But you've also done that by choice. And I want you to turn around and come back to the path. Repentance involves a decision. A decision to stop whatever we've been doing and to start whatever God is telling us to do. And this is where I think that AA starts to fail. Because you have to make this decision. You have to make this decision before the Lord and say, I'm going to start to turn from this. Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. The psalmist says in 119, verse 59, he says, and this is from the, the Living Bible, he says, I thought about the wrong direction in which I was headed, and turned around and came running back to you. Speaking to the Lord there. Underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writers are saying here, I came to the point where I did a 180. I did a U-turn. I turned around and I came back to you. So let me ask you some of these questions in preparing for step six. When we're preparing for this, are we ready to give up our addiction to self-reliance? Because in this step, we're having to say, I can't do this alone. I can't do this alone, God. I can't turn from this. I realize it's there. I'm willing to, but I'm weak. Are we ready to start opening our lives up to God and to God's people and really start to grow? That means that we're going to say, I need some help in this. I've shared with somebody my inventory, and now I need their strength, their help, their accountability. Are we ready to turn from our own self-destructive nature? Because some of us, because of guilt and issue and fear and resentment of the past when it comes to whatever this is, we just want to destroy ourselves. We want to destroy ourselves and we keep heading on this path of self-destruction. You know anybody like that? And you say, why? Why do they keep going down this road? It's destroying them. Can't they see it? They see it. They may recognize it. They may be even willing to try to turn from it, but they think that is their only destiny. Their only end is destruction. And they keep going down that road. The truth is that God wants people to turn from their destructive nature. God says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, starting at verse 30 now, he's speaking to the nation of Israel here. And of course, we don't have enough time, but we know the nation of Israel was heading on a path of destruction. They disobeyed God. They didn't want to listen to his word. And God says, I care about you. Now, he's speaking to the nation of Israel here. And we are not the nation of Israel, but we are God's children. And I believe the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And I believe that he would say the same thing for a believer today, a child of his that is on this road. He would say, therefore, O house of Israel... I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. And he says, repent. There's the word repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses that you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. 
Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. As you would say to your child, you would say, Stop what you are doing. Do a 180. Turn around. It doesn't need to be like this. You are going to destroy yourself. Stop. So when it comes to making this U-turn in your life, a couple last things. We need to be able to recognize that we've had this turning point in our life. There needs to be some point, as with salvation, that you can point to whatever you're struggling with and say, there was a change of mind, a change of thinking, a change of direction. Now, does that mean that you're going to say October 14th, 1989 at 4.30 in the afternoon? Absolutely not. But you might say, you know, I remember in, in this time and season that there was a time where I just said, stop, this is enough, and I turned from it. I think some of the most, I know in my life, I can tell you when I turned from some things and I started to give them up to the Lord, I can tell you the color of the walls. I mean, even though it might be 15 years ago, I can tell you. Because it was that powerful when I decided I was going to start to turn. When you get to that point in your life where you go, I hate this sin, I'm so sick of it. I'm tired of being in this and I'm going to turn from it. That's just my personality because... And I'm going to turn from something just as stubborn as I am to get me off that road. I'm just as stubborn when I get on the other road. And it's a one-time decision that takes a lifetime to carry out. I don't want us to have the idea that, well, and because this is another problem I have with AA, that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. Oh, it's me. I guess maybe I can maintain. Maybe I can't. There's actual freedom. And when you get done with it, you need to put it away. Be done with it. But realizing it takes a lifetime to turn the truck around. There's that country western song out there. It was like from the 60s or whatever. Give me 40 acres and I'll turn this truck around. Not any country western singer. That's like from the 60s. I, I don't know. Give me 40 acres and I'll turn this truck around. 40 acres. It takes some time to turn a truck. And just like in our life, when we're making this U-turn, it's going to take some time, especially when we've got consequences and wrong thinking and this hurt and this resentment, fear, everything involved in this. Yes, there are some that can turn on a dime. But for a lot of us, it's a slow, gradual process. And God is patient with that. So this is a heart condition. As we've talked of every week, this is not the magical sprinkling prayer here. This is the attitude that we need to have when we come to these steps and preparing. And it is, dear God, I'm ready for your help in turning from the defects of character which I now realize are the obstacle to my recovery. I'm going to turn from whatever this is. Help me to continue being honest with myself and guide me towards spiritual and mental health. Saying, God, I can't do this alone. And I'm preparing myself for the next step. So the question I leave you with is, 
Can you look at your life and see signs that you have really had a change of mind? If you're struggling with something in your life, can you say that there is a defining point where you've said, I got to the point where I said, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to start to turn from it. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to start to agree with God. There has to be that defining moment. Because it's more than just getting rid of the behavior. It's a change of mind. It's a change of belief. But it's a change of heart. Let's close the word of prayer. Lord, you know us as people that a lot of us just keep heading down that direction, that road. And you put up obstacles. You try to have people that warn us. And a lot of times, Lord, we are just bent on self-destruction. And Lord, I pray that we would make the decision in our hearts that as we're on this path that we would say no more. I'm not going to go down this path anymore and I'm going to start to deal with this stuff. And how I'm going to deal with it is not going into it as far as trying to heal my hurts. I'm going to do it in saying no to it and turning and going the opposite direction. And Lord, we're fearful in that because we feel like we're alone and we feel like, where am I going to go if I fail on this then? But the truth is that you're there. And Lord, so in this step of returning, I pray that we would rely on you. And I pray that we are prepared to get ready for the next step, and that is to have you completely remove this from our life, Lord. To start to deal with these issues. But more importantly, Lord, that you start to deal with the heart of why we're actually struggling with this step to begin with. And Lord, this is an easy step to say to turn, but it's a hard one to carry out in our life. So I pray that you would give us the encouragement and strength to just carry it out on a daily basis, just an hourly basis sometimes in our life. And that we would go forward on your path of what you have for us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.